Hi, everybody. This is Andy Alfred, the host of All Andy Alfred. I want to let you know that our shows now are on Facebook Live, as well as right here on the All Andy Alfred Podcast Network. So our shows are unedited, uncensored, and so full of content. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Follow us on our Twitter. It is at All Andy Alfred, as well as on Facebook at Facebook at Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. The views of All Andy Alfred are those of Andy's and do not represent the Spotify Podcast Network. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at the goal. 54 runs in the span of the Shut out. Two weeks. I've been off the air for two weeks. How has life changed in the world of sports? Our Lions are now one win away. From playing for Lombardi. How about Jared Goff? How about Ahmad St. Brown? How about Jameer Gibbs? Sam Laporta? How about our Lions? All grit, baby. It's all headed out to Santa Clara. And Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. While the Bills... Build themselves. Again, they're like Cleveland. Both share the lake. Embarrassing. As the promise of Mahomes continues. Now he's got to face Lamar in the AFC Championship game. The Jackets. Oh, the Jackets. Jackets. As they now head into the Western Canadian base while at Nationwide, the U.S. Figure Skating Championships happen. So it's the Figure Skating Road Trip, which starts tonight in Edmonton. McDavid. Better get the coffee ready. Get the coffee ready for this one. While we honor the 92-93-93-94 back-to-back Riley Cup champion Toledo Storm this weekend, you'll hear my thoughts on the Storm as well as the walleye, as they will be honoring the fish, the the storm. And you'll hear some of my thoughts and some of my favorite memories from the sports arena. Also, back into the swing of things, as the Hilton Vacation LPGA event took place, as well as the PGA with a shocker, with the amateur. Monday Night Raw is going to Netflix, as we now head into Royal Rumble. This weekend. And some life updates from yours truly. Sit back. Relax. We had National Popcorn Day on Saturday last week. Today apparently is National Pie Day because it's easy as one, two, three to make a pie. My old hashtag on my uh, YouTube account was ClayFan23. And we begin the show in one, two, three, now. Because it's time for all Andy Alfred. And I love you guys. And welcome in to another edition of All Andy Alfred, right here on your exclusive home for me. And that is with the All Andy Alfred Network. Whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, 
Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you listen to the show, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight and hearing what is happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in my everyday life. You can always be a part of the show by following our show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred where we do this show live every week right here on Facebook Live. So welcome into the show tonight on this, the 23rd day of January 2024, and it is a pleasure to be with you guys. It's been a couple weeks since we've been on the air, of course. Uh, we've been, you know, I've been tinkering with a little few things around the house, of course, been working on a few things, working on some side projects, but we're on the air tonight. We'll be on the air tonight. We'll be on the air Thursday afternoon for an afternoon edition of All Andy Alford. We'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. Also, we will have, you know, uh, follow us on our social media platforms. This weekend, a huge weekend in Toledo hockey history. You know, of course, you know me. I love hockey history in this city and how good it is between the Gold Diggers and and the Hornets and the Mercury. This year, we're honoring the last championship in hockey that has set foot on the surface in Toledo which was the Riley Cup from 93-94, was the last time that this champ that a professional hockey championship took place and was won by a Toledo team, 1993-1994. I was three, four years old, four years old when they won it. But we'll, yeah, uh, we're honoring that team. A lot of the players are coming back. We'll get into all that. You'll get to hear what I have to say about the walleye, of course. We'll talk about... The Jackets, of course, Jackets getting ready to take on the Edmonton Oilers tonight for a 9.30 puck drop. We're going to lead you up into that game here in just a few minutes. Also, we'll dive into what's happening on the Diamond as three Major League Baseball players have been inducted, will be inducted into the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. You'll hear my reaction to that as well as what's happening on the hard court. I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to see Saturday afternoon at Savage Arena between BG and the University of Toledo the Battle of I-75 that will now be on to the hard court. We'll talk about that briefly. Also, LPGA, we got a lot to get into tonight, of course. But like I said, if you're on our Facebook Live, go ahead, post your comments, post your questions. We're open right here. You can also tweet us at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford on X. So welcome into the program tonight. And so let's get right into it. Let's talk about what we've seen the last two weeks. And let's talk about with the National Football League. Let's talk about the Lions. Let's talk. I love every minute of this. This has been an amazing ride that this team has been on. And the Lions, to me, I, I, I will say this. I will absolutely say this. The game against the Rams... I was 50-50 on, okay? I will admit that. And a lot of Lions fans will admit that, too. They were 50-50 on what we were hoping We were hoping what we got, and that was a win, to beat Matthew Stafford and to beat the L.A. Rams. And it was great to see. I love every minute of it. You know, seeing Sam Laporta coming back from that injury in Week 18, it was great to see him come back. Uh, St. Brown is a godsend to this offensive scheme. So is Jamar Gibbs. Uh, Montgomery, fantastic players that helped out in that win against the Rams. We then fast forward 
to this past weekend against Tampa Bay. Now, a lot of people were already putting us to win that game. And I will admit that too. I, I, I thought we could win this game. I thought we could win this week game. But the problem I had was, and I will admit this, which is to you, I was waiting for the bottom to drop out. I've said this to so many people. I was waiting for the bottom to drop out. I was waiting for the SOL or the LOL Lions to show up. You know, favored in the game, favored by the fans, uh, the media all over them. I had that feeling that they were just going to lay the egg and lose to Tampa. And so much of that game, I felt like that was what was happening. You know, taking that 10, be 10-10 at the break, I felt like, you know, it was it was a... I was very, very worried. And no, not capitalizing on points in the third quarter. And I was just saying to myself, man, you know, if this is the way it's going to end, this is the way it's going to end. But somehow, some way, they put their big boy pants on in the fourth quarter and started playing football. And they started to put points on the board. When they extended the lead to two scores, I said to myself, oh boy, here we go. You know, this is this is the run. This is the opportunity. But then Tampa just runs right down the field, scores on the scores to make it a one possession game. Now the go for two was uh, was the stupidest thing I've ever seen, and Bull should be absolutely canonized because of that. And I don't want to hear anything about how he, you know, he is uh, he is the blessing out of the whole situation for going for two and failing it to be a, still an eight-point game. That that really just bothered me. That really, really bothered me. But here's the thing. The fact that we went down the field and then turned it over, on down, turned it over for a punt with a minute 30 to go, I will admit this to you folks right here on this podcast and on this program. I thought right there that was what – that was going to be the way that the Lions game season was going to end. I had that feeling and I had that motion in the back of my head. And I know a lot of you do. And I know a lot of you have it. And I admit that you have to admit it. You have to admit it. In the back of your mind, you thought they were going to come back and they were Tampa was going to come back and win the game and screw it all up. But of course, what happens? Mayfield throws a first pass. It's complete. Not a first down. Second pass was an interception. And they sealed the deal. They get the job done. They beat Tampa. And it, it, it was a blessing. In a blessing to have that game be a home game. An absolute blessing. And to win that game, 31-23, to will go down in history as the two best games in Ford Field history. I will admit that. I will stand sit here and admit that those two games were the the pinnacle, the best games in four field history with this team. I mean, Dan Campbell and his team has got this team running great. The question I have is can this momentum go out to California? Can it go out to Santa Clara? Now, remember, the 49ers struggled against the Packers. Now, imagine this. Imagine this, too. Imagine this, too. If Green Bay, if Green Bay would have won that game, and the Lions would have won against Tampa, the NFC Championship game 
would be at Ford Field this year week. Imagine that. And that's where, and I will admit it, that's where I think the season would end. With Green Bay. Because if you remember Thanksgiving Day, remember the Packers were struggling going into that game. A lot of us, hand to God, me too, me true, believe that the Packers, that believe the Lions were going to destroy the Packers on Thanksgiving. And what happened? They ran it down our damn throats. But Brock Purdy, this past week, found a way to get it done, to kick that field goal, and Jordan Love, of course, Jordan Love, not big game experience. All this was rebuilt for them. So this was just they were just playing with house money in this in this whole series. So it was it is what it is. And I see I see you, Zach. I said Debo has been ruled out for this weekend, and that's a benefit thing. That's an absolute benefit thing. I love seeing it. The fact is, the fact is, they still have Christian McCaffrey. They still have Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. And remember, you have Kyle Shanahan, the guru, who always seems to somehow find a way. Now, we get to that. So we get to this weekend. And we're going to talk about it more in depth on Thursday, but we're, we're going to preview it tonight. You have the quarterback situation. Jared Goff versus Brock Purdy. Purdy, experience, but he's injured. He's been injured, injury prone. I give it more to Goff. By receiving round. But now Debo Samuel out. I give the receiving court to the Lions. So the passing wise. But the running game, I still like Christian McCaffrey. Caffrey can be a, it's a dual player. He can be a, a wide receiver and a running back. He could do it he could do it all and he's been he's been doing it for for the longest period of time. That's what worries me. Especially with the secondary defense that we have. It has not been good the last couple games. And so once McCaffrey gets past that first line, he's got a lot of opening. Same way with Purdy. If Purdy sees that the secondary's open, and McCaffrey's there or any of the other players are there, they're going to capitalize on it. And that's bad. It's bad news. Bad news for the Lions. And that's what scares me. Our defense is not at to the capacity that I like. You know, we've, we've done so well so far this year. But my worry is this defense. Do I have faith that this Lions team... Could go out to Santa Clara and win. I'm 50-50. And I, I, I was talking to a co-worker about this. Um, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering when the letdown will happen for me. When the letdown will happen for Lions fans. Will it be this week? If they beat San Francisco this week, you know the test is going to be in front of them with... with, with the narrative that everybody will be talking about the Lions once they get to the Super Bowl, if they get to the Super Bowl. If the Lions win, they get to the Super Bowl, the talk is all going to be about Campbell and this team and everything like that, and that's what scares me. The, 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 the piece that gets into the back of their head 
about, you know, they're America's team and they're they're the best team out there and everything like that. And then they go out and they lay an egg. That's what worries me the most. That's what scares me the most. And the fact that this team... I, I, like, I'm waiting, like I said, I have been waiting for the, for the, the shoe to drop. The LOL Lions and the SOL Lions to show up. It hasn't happened yet. Hold my breath. It looks good. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm proud. You have to be proud of what this team has done. You have to be proud of what has been accomplished this year with this Lions team. Hell, I got my wife to become a Lion, a Lions fan. She wagered me at the beginning of the football season. The Lions can get far into the playoffs. They should become a fan. I converted a Green Bay Packer fan to a Detroit Lion fan. That's a win on our part. That's definitely a win on our part. So that's the NFC side. Let's get to the AFC side. Now, you, of course, you had Houston beat Cleveland, absolutely destroyed the Browns, and absolutely just cannibalized them. They go into Baltimore, and what happens? It, it, it just they just fell apart. They fell apart quicker than a sweater in a, a Walmart sweater in the dryer. Strout wasn't the Strout wasn't there. He wasn't capable of doing anything. It's his first year. You have to say that it's his first year, and the dominance that there are the Baltimore Ravens is there. Then you get to the other game. And this is what bothers me the most, okay? And I don't care what you people criticize me for. I will say this right now, and I will say this on the air. I will say this, and this is on record, and I will say this bluntly and honestly. I hate the Kansas City Chiefs. I absolutely cannot stand them. They are the New York Yankees of the National Football League now, officially. You either like them or you hate them. You're either a Chief fan or a Chief hater. And I will raise my hand and say I am a Chief hater. I cannot stand them. They play with arrogance. They play with with tenacity that I cannot stand. And then you add this bimbo that is up there. That is up there in the booth. And the media is just Feeding into that. I was so hoping that Buffalo was going to get the job done and win and, pardon my language, and fucking beat them down and send them back to Kansas City and send Andy Reid and his hamburger-loving self back to Kansas City. The man looks like Luther Van Dam from the Coach Series. Can't stand it. But he's a guru, and he can he he can manipulate. But then you got Hey Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is throwing the football around. Ah, hey, we'll have a subway sandwich. Steve Farmer. Can't stand him. Cannot stand him. I can't stand him. 
And the fact that they are just... Week after week, they get somehow, some way, get the win. This week was Tyler Bass that screwed it over. Buffalo had that game in their hands. In their hands. And the failures of Josh Allen and McDermott. And McDermott's got to go now. McDermott has to go. Plain and simple. If he stays on as coach in Buffalo... Well, good luck, Bills fans. You know, the window is closing. Completely closing. McDermott's got to go. You know, your window is closing with Josh Allen, especially how much that you're going to have to pay him to stay. If he doesn't, st- if you know, if he go, if if they get rid of McDermott, there's a great possibility that Josh Allen will stay with whatever coach is going to be there. Because it's not working with McDermott. It's definitely not working with them. You can't go with Belichick because he's going to Atlanta. You can't go with Harbaugh because he's going to L.A. And he's going to the Chargers. But the fact is, the, the Chiefs always seem to find a way to win this game. And now I have to deal with another week of watching that bimbo up in the booth with with Jason Kelsey. And I like Jason Kelsey. I love Jason Kelsey. I was a big fan of his in Philadelphia. I'm a big fan of his. I like the podcast. I can't stand Travis. And I can't stand that bimbo in the booth. Because she's ruining, ruining the National Football League for real fans. You're seeing these... 15, 16-year-olds, excuse me, 8 to 15-year-olds asking me questions about the National Football League. But they're asking me, well, Travis is a really good player, isn't he? He's one of the best players out there, huh? And then they're asking me about penalty questions. And these are my nieces and nephews asking me these penalty questions. I don't care about Kansas City. I don't care, Kansas City. I do not care. I can't stand Taylor Swift in the booth. There's a difference between personal life and your love life and professional life and everything. Get out of the booth. And the fact that the media just plays it and just plays it and plays it. And and she sits there. And, and like last, during the, the wild card round, when they were playing Miami, and then they're showing the video. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me, let me do it. Crowd serving. <laughs> Fuck that. If I was a Dolphins fan, I would have thrown a beer at her. Seeing my team coming to coming to Kansas City and absolutely lay an egg. Oh. And now I have to deal with it for another week. I had to deal with it for another week. And now I get Romo and, and, and Nance again. Another week of them talking about Taylor Swift and talking about, you know, how and, and blowing smoke up her ass all week. I can't. I can't do it. I am so glad that's a 3 o'clock game. And I'm so glad I'm going to the walleye game. Because I cannot stand that. I cannot stand that.
She ain't a mother. Real mothers care about their kids. She don't care. So get that bimbo out of the booth. Go on your errors tour. Do what you got to do. Go and write songs in New York and, and go do that. And then the, the media just feeds into this relationship. And I can't stand it. I can't. I had a co-worker. She says that her favorite artist is Taylor Swift. She's from Thailand. And she loves Taylor Swift. And I told her right to her face that I, 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 don't, like, I don't like Taylor Swift. She's like, why you don't like Taylor Swift? I told her. Exactly what I told you. There's three things I don't like about Taylor Swift. One, she mixes music with her personal life. She wrote that song, Dear John, about John Mayer, her ex. John Mayer and her ex. And, and I just, oh, God. You don't, and then she wrote the song about Joe Jonas, and she she used audio from a breakup that she had, and we're never getting back together. You don't do that. You tell the story. She's a good story writer, and she's a good music music's person. But for the love of God, I can't. I you, you can't mix that. You can't really mix that. Number two, she makes nice guys have to work extra hard for you women. I will admit this plain and simple. I had I dated a woman in the past, pre-Amanda, that was in love with Taylor Swift, and I was an I'm nice I'm a nice guy. I you know picked up the check for a lot of things, gave flowers, gave chocolates, you know, did some things for people, and I was a nice guy for the whole thing. But she wanted more. She was expecting more because she was feeding into the Taylor Swift movement. So she makes nice guys have to work harder because of it. That's number two. And number three, the fact that the media just goo-goos and gagas over her so much, it just reminds me of Princess Diana from 97 and 98 when the media was all over her. We know what happened with Princess Diana, folks. I just hope that this doesn't happen again with Taylor Swift. Plain and simple. But hey, you know, know, she sits up there in the booth going. Crowd surfing. Surf dance. Get it out of here. Get out of here. Can't stand it. Can't stand it. And now we have to deal with it. Three o'clock, Sunday afternoon, Baltimore, Kansas City in Baltimore. I hope Lamar gives it to them and beats them. And then we turn around at 640 for the real football game that happens. But the 49ers and the Lions. God, I can't stand her. I can't. I can't stand her. She's terrible. So can't stand her. I don't I I I I, I just don't like it. I am not the number one Taylor Swift fan. I don't like her music. I've never liked her music. Never will like her music. And another thing, too, when it comes on at work, when it comes on at work, you know what goes in? You know what goes in? When it goes on at work, when I'm listening to it, earbuds. Can't stand it. Either that or I, I, I walk away. I walk off the floor. 
I do not, I am not a Taylor Swift fan. Never have, never will. I did not like her when she was in country. I didn't like her when she was in pop. And I don't like her when now in folk music. Get rid of it. It was Dua Lipa. Oh, yeah. I'm a big Dua Lipa fan. Doja Cat. Love Doja Cat. Uh, Harry Styles. You know, all that. I'd like that. If if Taylor Swift's on, turn it off. Love you guys. You're listening and watching to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the All Andy Alford Network. Whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, and wherever you're watching, also on Facebook Live. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. Um, I want to get into what we just witnessed just a little bit ago. The Pro Baseball Hall of Fame also announced tonight the new inductees for the Pro for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Three players are going to be going into the Hall of Fame this year. Adrian Beltre is going to go into the Hall of Fame from the Texas Rangers. Also, Joe Maurer. I know my cousin Nick is not happy about that. The Minnesota Twins. And going into the Hall of Fame as well. But Todd Helton going into the Hall of Fame as well, too. And it's great to see those three, you know, those three were, you know, influential into this into this year into playing. Uh, I saw Maurer so many times when he was playing against against either against Detroit or against Cleveland. Uh, he was a killer for the tight against the Tigers. Very very clutch hitter, and uh, is truly you know he deserves to get into the Hall of Fame, and. The ballot results are out too, and I wanted to talk about that really quickly. It's good to see that you know none of the true, none of the true steroid people are in it. Didn't get in it. Rodriguez only got only a Rod got thirty four point eight percent of the vote. Manny Ramirez thirty two point five percent. Gary Sheffield. On the outside looking, you have to be past 75%. So Beltre gets in at 95.1. Todd Helton gets in at 79.7. Joe Maurer, 76.1. I feel bad for Billy Wagner. You have to be at 75% to qualify for the Hall of Fame. He gets at 73.8. I feel bad for Billy. Sheffield, Gary Sheffield, 63.9%. Andrew Drone, 61.6%. Beltran, 57.1%. Like I mentioned, A-Rod at 34.8%. Manny Ramirez at 32.5%. Omar Vizquel at 17.7%. That's good to see. Chase Utley, 28.8%. Jimmy Rollins, 14.8%. Bobby Abreu at 14.8%. And Andy Pettit at 13.8%. Getting in the the committee. Uh, Like I said, 75% half. You have to meet it. And Gary Sheffield will now be off the ballot because this was his 10th and final year on the ballot, and he will not be elected into the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. So there's that. Uh, of course, Jim Leland was announced as he's going into the Hall of Fame in December. So he will be in the Hall of Fame. So it will be two Central Division guys, 
Joe Maurer and Jim Leland going into the Hall of Fame. And I want to know if Leland's going to go in either as a Marlin, a Pirate, or as a Tiger. Which one is he going to go in as? Because his best years were with Detroit. In the Detroit game. But he has won World Series in Miami with the Marlins. So I bet you'll go with the Marlins on that round. So there's that. On that round, so congratulations to Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer, all going in to the Borough Baseball Hall of Fame. As we're getting baseball around the corner, turning the corner to baseball, so I'm looking forward to that. Even though it is 30-some-odd degrees outside, raining, snow on the ground. We had ice this morning in the metro area, and baseball is right around the corner. Went by the ballpark tonight. They are testing the lights, so... Seeing that, seeing that. And by the way, opening day for the for the Mud Hens will be March 29th, the thirtieth and the thirty first. They're going to be home for Easter weekend. Keep that in mind, Zach. Keep that in mind. So yeah, and he says also you should have Taylor Swift on as a special guest. Do the crowd surfing together. Get that shit out of here. As you're watching and listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the All Andy Elford Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever you're listening and watching, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. Uh, wanted to dive into this a little bit too. And tonight we're you know we're not following the format like we usually do. We're just going to go off of, off here and there, and it's more on your comments tonight. How you felt about the NFL playoffs, the divisional rounds, your thoughts going into the conference championship weekend, and any sports topic you want to talk about, go ahead, post it up here on on the Facebook Live, as well as you can do it anytime on our Twitter, on our Facebook, or excuse me, X account, which is at All Andy Alford as well. Um, I wanted to get into what's happening on the hard court really quickly in the, in college basketball. I'm not going to talk NBA. We don't talk NBA in this program. Not a big fan of the NBA. But, of course, tonight, Mid-American Conference play. We're going to dive into the Mid-American Conference with our Bowling Green Falcons, who are running a, a good winning streak right now. Even though right now they are struggling with 4.56 to go in the in the in the, in regulation, they're losing to Kent State, sixty-seven sixty-five. University of Toledo at the half is tied with Northern Illinois, thirty-eight thirty-eight. Ohio is down to Akron, sixty to fifty-one. Western Michigan is beating Eastern Michigan, fifty-eight forty-two. Miami of Ohio is up on, actually is down on Central Michigan, sixty-two fifty-two. Ball State eighty. Buffalo 57. Buffalo is having a tough time this season. I will, I will give you that. But the big game, of course, is this upcoming Saturday as our Bowling Green State University Falcons head to Savage Arena for the big game. 2 o'clock tip at Savage. It will be our Falcons, who are 14-4, taking on the University of Toledo, who is 11-7 overall. Uh, the Falcons are finding their footing and uh, you know they come; they're coming off of a seven, having a seven-game winning streak snapped 
last week. They're struggling right now against Kent State at the Stroh Center, like I mentioned before, but it's a huge game for them on Saturday. Other games in the Mid-American Conference, Akron and Miami of Ohio, Central Michigan and Western Michigan, Northern Illinois and Ball State, and Buffalo is at Eastern. That's up this upcoming Saturday. By the way, Friday, Ohio is at Kent State on CBS Sports Network. So we'll keep you posted on the final score for the BG Kent State game here in just a little bit. Uh, other games happening in the top 25 in the, in the college basketball. Kentucky is down right now with 3 minutes and 34 seconds to go. The sixth-ranked Wildcats are down 70-53 to 53 to South Carolina. That looks like it's going to be a runaway. Texas is lo- beating 11th-ranked Oklahoma 65-56. Duke is up 70-62 to 62 on Louisville. Wisconsin is losing to Minnesota just by one with less than 20 seconds to go on the Big Ten Network, 58-57. Creighton and Xavier. Creighton up 11-14 just halfway through the first half. Has gone final. LaSalle falls to 16-ranked Dayton, 66-54. Michigan travels to second-ranked Purdue. Purdue 17-2 overall. Michigan 7-11 in college basketball. Not looking good for the... Wolverines, and then fourth-ranked Houston will battle 21st-ranked BYU later tonight, 9 o'clock tip on ESPN. So there's those for you. Now let's get into some hockey, of course. I wanted to get into the National Hockey League, and let's talk a little bit about the Jackets right here on All Andy All. This year, the Oilers are looking for their 14th win tonight. As the Jackets will head to Rogers Center in Edmonton for a game against the Oilers tonight, 9 o'clock, here in about 9 minutes or so. I thought it was a 9.30 puck drop, so it'll be a 9 o'clock. So we'll lead into the game, or we'll pull, go on until till 9.30 tonight. Jackets and the Oilers. The Oilers looking for their 14th consecutive win this year, this season, in this long stretch that they have. Of course, the players to watch are Cole Sillinger. He's had uh, four goals in the last five games. Goudreau, and with leader in points and in assists. But Leon Dreisaitl, you have to watch out for. And Zach Hyman for the Oilers. Uh, tonight, it will be Elvis Merce-Lincolns. He's 8-9-6 with a 3.26 goals against average. He'll take on Skinner, who's 21-9-1 with a goals against average of 2.53. So there's that for you. The last 10 meetings, like I mentioned, the Oilers are on a 13-game winning streak going for 14 tonight. The Jackets are 3-4-3 coming off the loss this past weekend. This past weekend. Uh, the Jackets will play tonight in Edmonton. They will play the Oilers again on March the 7th at the Schweid. If you're looking at team stats overall, the Jackets are 25th on the power play at 15%, while the Oilers are 25% at 6th in the National Hockey League. Penalty kill, the Jackets are 18th overall to the Oilers' 10th in 10th. Faceoff dot is all in the Oilers' favor. They're leading in the faceoff dot 52% to 47%. In the league, goals against the Jackets are 3.73 to the Oilers, 2.90. Goals for Jackets are 2.93, and the Oilers are 3.50. So there's that. It all looks 
it, it all looks daunting for the Jackets. All looks daunting for the Jackets tonight. So I worry about that. And this is this starts the road trip for the Jackets. Because the Jackets are gone now for three weeks. Three weeks. Starting tonight in Edmonton. Then they go to Calgary on Thursday. They're playing on Hockey Night in Canada Saturday night in Vancouver. Then they're in Seattle on Sunday. Then they're in St. Louis on Tuesday. And then the All-Star break happens. They come back to Nationwide on the 10th of February to play Tampa before heading back on the road for a long trek. So they're gone for three weeks. It's gone for three weeks because of the U.S. figure skating championships that are happening at Nationwide Arena. Then they fix the ice. They fix the facility for that. And that's the way it's going to be for the next three weeks for the Jackets and for, and for the city of Columbus. So there's that. The good thing is that Boone Jenner is in the lineup tonight. He's, he came back on the lineup this past week, this past weekend. When they played the Devils, and they lost to the Devils four to one, they came out. I will say this: on Martin Luther King Day on the fifteenth, they played Vancouver. That was a great game. They won that game in a shootout. They shouldn't have won that game because because Vancouver's one of the best teams in the league. They are the best team in the league. They're thirty two eleven and four, and and the Jackets showed up. They showed up and they played that game. That they they can play those they they can play tough and win games against opponents that are better than them. But the cheapy games they just just fold like a card table, cheap card table. So looking at it, looking at the standings, going into today's play for the Jackets, the Rangers are in the top spot in the Metropolitan Division. We'll start with the Metro. At sixty points, at twenty nine, fifteen, and two. Philadelphia is in second at 25, 16, and 6 with 56. Carolina is in third at 25, 15, and 5 with 55 points. The Devils, 24, 18, and 3 with 51 points. The Islanders are 20, 15, and 11 with 51 points. They fired their coach, and they hire Patrick Waugh as their new coach. Absolutely love it. It was a great signing, great move. They needed a restart. They needed a refresh. Watt's going to do it for them. Washington, 22-16-6 with 50 points. The Penguins are 21-17-6 with 48 points. And our Jackets are 14-22-9 with 37 points. Atlantic Division looks like this. Boston in the top spot at 29-8-9 with 67 points. The Florida Panthers are 28-14-4 with 60 points. Toronto 23, 14, and 8 with 54 points. The Red Wings are 24, 17, and 5 with 53 points. Tampa 24, 18, and 5 with 53 points as well. It is the Montreal Canadiens at 19, 20, and 7 with 45 points. Buffalo is 22, 20, excuse me, 20, 22, and 4 with 44 points. And the Ottawa Senators are 17, 24, and 1 with 35 points. So the worst team in the Eastern Conference are the Jackets at 14, 22, and 9 with 37 points. If you're counting record-wise, point-wise, it is Ottawa who has 35 points. 
In the Western Conference, Central Division, led by the Winnipeg Jets at 30-11-4 with 64 points. Colorado is 30-14-3 with 63 points. Dallas is 27-13-6 with 60 points. Nashville, 25-21-1 with 51 points. The Arizona Coyotes are still hanging around there. They are 23-19-3 with 49 points. St. Louis, 22-20-2 with 46 points. Uh, Minnesota 20, 21, and 5 with 45 points. And the Chicago Blackhawks are 14, 31, and 2 with 30 points. Best team in the league is in the Pacific Division, and they are the Vancouver Canucks. Or 32, 11, and 4 with 68 points. Vegas is in second at 27, 14, and 6 with 60 points. Edmonton, who the Jackets will play tonight, are 26, 15, and 1 with 53 points. The Kings... In fourth spot at 22-13-9 with 53 points. Calgary, who the Jackets will play on Thursday, are 21-20-5 and with 47 points. Seattle, 19-18-9 for 47 points. Anaheim is 15-30-1 with 31 points. And San Jose is 12-31-4 with 28 points. If you're looking at it, the worst team in the league is San Jose at that 21-31-4 points. But the Jackets are 28th in the league out of the 32 teams in record-wise, at, at 14, 22, and 9 with 37 points. It's all about the point system. That's all it is. Playoffs started today. Pacific would be, Vancouver, it would be Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton, with L.A. and Nashville being the wild-card teams. In the Eastern Conference, that's the Western Conference. Eastern Conference would be New York, Philadelphia, Carolina, Boston, Philadelphia, uh, Boston, Florida, and Toronto. The wild card would be Detroit in the top spot and Tampa in the second spot. That's where you see it. And by the way, happening around the league tonight, Dallas is smoking Detroit. Smoking them like a turkey. 5-2 right now, halfway through the third period. Ottawa's up 3-0 on Montreal right now. It's the Flyers falling right now to the... The Lightning 4-2. Uh, Vegas is up 3-1 on the Islanders. The Capitals are f- losing right now to the Wild. 2-0. Games that are getting ready to start here in just a few minutes. It will be St. Louis in Calgary to battle the Flames. Like I mentioned, the Jackets will take on Edmonton tonight at 9 o'clock here in just a few minutes. Uh, Buffalo is in Anaheim to battle the, the Ducks. And the Rangers are in San Jose to battle the Sharks. So that is what's happening around the league. Of course, like I mentioned before, the Jackets will play Edmonton tonight. They will play Calgary on Thursday. And then the All-Star game will happen, uh, which will take place uh, my birthday weekend, February 2nd and 3rd, in the beautiful city of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And three, the four teams have been announced. Of course, Metro, Central, Atlantic, and Pacific. The Metro, the Atlantic division is captained by Austin Matthews, and their celebrity coach is Justin Bieber. I love Justin Bieber. I can't stand Taylor Swift. Say that again. But I like our Metro coach. The great Michael Buble will be the coach of the Metropolitan Division. I think the Metro is going to win it, especially with Boone Jenner. With the team. It's good to see Boone Boone back on the ice for that. So there's that for you guys on the regards of the NHL side. Now let's hit the pond and let's talk a little 
walleye hockey, but let's talk about what we're going to see this weekend. Of course, the fish are on the ice. They have been on the ice. They have, they're on this big road trip as the motocross was at the Huntington Center this past weekend, and the fish hit the road. They hit the road last week. Of course, the All-Star game that took place Monday at the at, in Savannah and the ECHL All-Stars won 18 to 11 in that game in those games. So there's that. And the weirdest thing with the ECHL, I'm going to admit I'm going to say this really quickly. The All-Star game takes place in Savannah. When me and me, me and my wife watched it on Monday, last Monday. And we watched it and we didn't realize at the same time, too, there was three ECHL games that were going on at the same time, at the same day. Maine played Redding, and Maine won 4-1. to one. Tulsa played Allen. Tulsa won 5-3. And here's the big one. Cincinnati loses in Iowa 5-4 in, over, in overtime. Don't doesn't the league give those players time off? They gave them the week, the rest of the week off, of course, which then led into this past weekend. It's time to talk about the fish really quickly. It's time to talk about the fish and what we witnessed on Friday night. They went down to the Queen City to take on the Cyclones, and it was not a good night for the fish. It was not a good night for the fish. They came out flat. Cincy was all over them. And got to double check who it was. It was our favorite referee, Nolan Boyer. I have, it's time for Andy Rance. Okay, so I want to talk about this son of a bitch. Nolan Boyer. B-L-O-Y-E-R. He wears number 31, the official, in the East Coast Hockey League. Now, this will date back. We'll go back to the week of the 12th. Not last week. No, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll go last week. We'll go last week. Last Saturday night, not this past Saturday, but this last Saturday night, on the tw- on the thirteenth, you surely got a chance to go and see the see the walleye play, Kalamazoo. Now the night before they were in Kalamazoo, and Riley McCord skated past the linesman and ran into the linesman and laid out the linesman. He was decked, he was charged with a match penalty, and was kicked out of the game. Now, the next night, Kalamazoo came to the Huntington Center and was in the game again. Now, Boyer did the game the night before in Kalamazoo. I had to do the research on it really quickly. Double-check it for you really quickly. I want to pull it back up. Yep, that was on the, on the 12th, on the 13th. Kalamazoo beat Toledo that night 4-1. to one. And again, like I mentioned, McCourt. McCourt was dealt a match penalty out of the situation. 
He was dealt with an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And he was then kicked out of the game with a game misconduct. And by the way, Boyer was not the referee in that game. Boyer was not the referee in the game. Okay. So there's that for you. So lay that out there for you. So Nolan Boyer is the referee. All night. All night long. Kalamazoo was getting away with murder. Again. Clean, bad checks, trips, and it was happening right in front of him. And my sister was there at the game with me, with my wife and my brother-in-law. And we were sitting there watching the game. We can't believe, we, I couldn't believe what was happening. In my, in my years, I've been on this planet for now 34 years. Watching ECHL hockey for more than tw- more than 30 of that of those 34 years, 30 of those years of watching East Coast hockey, league hockey. Of the 30 years on this planet, I have never seen a, a terrible official as Nolan Boyer. Missing so many calls. Missing so many bad calls. And then the cheeky calls, like the, you know, running in the 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 the, the stupid the 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 stupid calls that would not be called. They were calling it all on Toledo that night. Now I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm try, trying to be a homer fan out of this situation. But let me give you this stat for you. In the game, Kalamazoo had eight. Power plays. Toledo had eight penalties. Toledo had one power play opportunity. One penalty called. And it was, you know, plain and simple. It was a terrible call. Toledo had 16 minutes in penalties in the game. The penalty kill, you know, helped out. They were 0 for, Kalamazoo was 0 for 8 in the game. But the fact is that Boyer was just terrible. High stick, hooking, hooking, tripping, slashing. And then the coaching staff had enough in the third period. And Boyer then threw them at an unsportsmanlike conduct, a bench minor penalty. And that's when I thought I thought Doug, Doug Minkich should have started throwing the bottles, started throwing the sticks, get his team going. Get his team fired up because of it. And and to show the league what was happening. At the end of the game, I was so pissed off about it. The, the, the players were going after Nolan out of the situation. The fans were after him. He was a marked man. And he is the worst official in all of the East Coast Hockey League. If you know him, you know him to be a blind referee. It it may fit official to what I was saying back in my days at Bowling Green. I'm deaf, I'm blind, I want to be a ref. He matched all three criteria in this situation. And he should be ashamed of himself. The league should be ashamed of him and suspend him for what he has done. And it's not just in Toledo. This past weekend, he did games in Fort Wayne. 
And he did games in Cincinnati against Toledo. Did it again against Toledo. Goes to Fort Wayne. Does it to Fort Wayne on double nights on Saturday and Sunday. Justin Crone from from Fort Wayne, who I follow and I love very much. I very, very like his coverage. And if he follows me on X, I would love it. Said it best that this guy should not be an official in any sport, whether it be a shinny game, whether it be a beer league game, whether it be any kind of officiating in football, hockey, anything. He's he is deaf to the play. He is absolutely deaf to the play, and he is such a terrible official. If you know him, if you know this Boyer, Boiler, B-L-O-Y-E-R, Nolan Boiler, he's a terrible official. And if you were at the game last Saturday night against Kalamazoo, you would know the fact, too. This guy is a terrible official. Terrible. But the penalty that got me the most, Toledo was down 2-1. They pulled a goalie with about a minute and change left to go in the game. They pulled a goalie. He raises his hand and calls for too many men on the ice. Are you fucking kidding me? McCullough was in. Leatherman was in the bench. On the bench, in the bench, and the player then plays the puck. Bench Meyer, too many men on the ice. You have too many brain, too many less brain cells. But it, it it goes back to again. I will say it again. This the official is just terrible. It, 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 he's terrible. He's the worst official. And it, it showed again this past weekend. He was in Cincinnati. The fish lose in Cincinnati five one. And again, it proves it again that he hates Toledo. He hates Toledo. Toledo had six had 12 minutes in penalties. Cincinnati had 14 minutes in penalties, which is surprising. Toledo was out sh- outshot Cincinnati in the game 27 to 24, but they lose 5 to 1. Going over the penalties really quickly. Just want I just wanted to go over the penalties really quickly with this. But Boyer, again, with Anderson and Scheffler, these three are terrible together. I wouldn't even want them to co- want them to referee uh, um, a shinny game at Tamo or at the Ice House, especially with against the with the mobsters. Terrible, worst officiating I've ever seen. They're the worst. Keenan tripping, McCourt tripping, Anderson hooking, Sawchuck hooking, Bliss tripping. But it was a lot of penalties for Cincinnati in the game too. Toledo was 0 for 7 on the power play. So yeah, there's that. 
And then we get to Saturday. Toledo went on the road. They went to Indianapolis, and Indianapolis beats Toledo. 4-1. I will say this. I think the fish are now in the funk. It's about that time of year where they, you know, level off for a little bit. And I just hope it's not this weekend that they will level off. And I don't want them to level off this weekend. Uh, really quickly, the officiating was a lot better in this game. Both teams only had two power plays. Both were 0 for 2 on the power play. Toledo's only goal was Matt Anderson, his eighth of the season from Sodesto and Bliss. But it was a Zach Jordan night. He had two goals in the game. Uh, Bernardo dropped the gloves against King. Had a good fight in that one. But, uh, yeah, the officiating was Will Kelly, Luke Pyle, and Dan Kovacek. And then you get – so you're wondering where Boyer went. He went to Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne hosted the Wooster Railers in the Memorial Coliseum. Now, I will say that I have a two-part to the Sandy Rants. Besides the Boyer being an absolute idiot and the worst official in the East Coast Hockey League, and I think the league should actually suspend him or get rid of him altogether – is that Boyer did this game, same crew that was in Cincinnati, and just missed two slew foots out of the whole situation. Wildman gets caught with a slash and a holding the stick. Wooster only had two penalties in the game, one penalty in the game. Fort Wayne was 1-0 for 1 on the power play. And, the, and Fort Wayne had 10 minutes in penalties. Wooster outshot them and won in the shootout 4-3. So Boyer was a terrible referee. And then he gets to Sunday. Toledo was off. Wondering again where this idiot Boyer is at. In Fort Wayne again. But this time it was a two-man crew. And again, make mention again. 18 minutes in penalties for Fort Wayne. Wooster only had four minutes in penalties. But Fort Wayne won the game 5-3 to three over Wooster. Mingo, delay a game for throwing the puck over the ice. But here's, here's the big one. Captain... With an unsportsmanlike conduct and a game misconduct. Kicked out of the game in the third period. And he got kicked out of the game. He had a misconduct at the end of the game. At the 20 minute mark. That's why I say this Nolan Boiler should just go. She should be suspended. And the, the second part of my Andy rants is Wooster. Wooster, Massachusetts. Comes to Fort Wayne. Why aren't they playing at the Huntington Center? Why aren't they playing in Toledo? You know, Fort Wayne can get these big teams to come to Fort Wayne. I I, I just don't understand that. I I, I just I, I it, it boggles my mind. 
and I'm gonna look it up. I'm looking it up really quickly as we're as we're on Facebook Live, as well as on. Here it is. I want to. I want to tell you these team teams that are come that have come to Fort Wayne this year. Okay. Let's see here. Somebody that's going to be good. That will that Toledo won't face. That Fort Wayne's facing. Let's see here. Bear with me. Let's see here. A lot of their games are now divisional opponent games. At Fort Wayne, at home. All right, here we go. Here we go. Fort Wayne has hosted Utah for three straight games. They have played Norfolk at home. Let's see here. I know they played. Last year they have played. Last year they played Savannah in Savannah's inaugural year. They played Wooster this past weekend for a three-game series. They played in Wooster for three straight. They went to Rapid City. They're going to play Wichita in Wichita in Kansas City. Uh, and then they have all their divisional opponents. But I, I, I bring it up because Toledo gets all of the teams that come in, all the divisional opponents. But then you look at what they bring in that are non-conference. And uh, in Eastern Conference, we played, we played Reading for opening night. Really quickly, I want to pull it up really quickly. This year, we played Reading at home. We will play. Norfolk for three straight next weekend. I look forward to this Maine series at the end of February. Because we don't get Maine that comes in here. Uh, that's it. That's it. We go to South Carolina. We go to Greenville. We play Atlanta. We play the West, we play the South in the South this season. Nobody's from the South comes to the Huntington Center to play. If Iowa that's played here, they're in our division. Cincinnati that's played in our division. Fort Wayne, Kalamazoo, they all play in our division. But we don't have any. We don't have a Greenville. We don't have an Orlando. We don't have a Florida. We don't have a Newfoundland this year. That comes into town and plays. 
why are we not drawing bigger crowd? Why aren't we not drawing for those teams? A lot of people want to see Orlando in Toledo. A lot of people want to see a Savannah. Or a lot of people want to see, you know, and the, there's a new team coming into the league next year, uh, Bloomington, Illinois. That's going to be fun to see. How is that going to work into this into this division? But again, I will I will bring it up again. I will bring it up again. That this that the team that the walleye and the walleye staff at the East Coast Hockey League need to balance out the schedule and have opponents, you know, play your divisional opponents, but play some decent opponents as well, too. You know, back in the day, back in 92, 93, 93, 94. Toledo would play like, you know, Hampton Roads. They would play Huntington, the Huntington, West Virginia, the Huntington Blizzard. They'd play the Louisville River Frogs. They would play the New Orleans Brass, the Birmingham Bulls, uh, the Jacksonville Lizard Kings. They'd play all these great teams. The PD Pride. Um... Well, Greenville Growl, now they're the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, so they're still in the league. Um, Raleigh Icecaps, Richmond Renegades, Johnstown Chiefs, uh, Dayton Bombers. Well, Bombers were in the division. I love the Columbus Chill. I loved it when the Chill was here. I, I loved it when the Chill came to town. I, a team that would wear a black uniform was always cool to see. Black on the ice like that. That's absolutely cool. Uh, of course, we have Cincinnati that was a part of that part of that fran- franchise, but Hampton Roads and and uh, my God, uh, Wheeling Knoxville, um, the Wheeling Thunderbirds, uh, Knoxville, the Nashville Knights. Uh, I forget who Knoxville was. Knoxville was uh, somebody, but Lex- the Lexington uh, uh, Warriors. Oh uh, my God! I'm thinking of other teams that were in the East Coast League that was, that was good too. Ah, uh, but yeah, all those teams were great back in the day, and I say those old teams because we are honoring the 1992, 1993, 1993, 1994 Toledo Storm hockey team that has that won back to back Kelly Cups, the last championships that have been on the ice in the city of Toledo. That tells you something. The last championship was in 1994. The 93-94 team, which had Mark Deasley, Alex Hicks, uh, Rick Judson, Ian Duncan, all the great players. And this weekend, they are honoring this these, these great guys, this great team. With the Hockey Hall of Fame that's happening on Friday night in downtown. We'll talk about that really quickly. As I am pulling it up right now as we speak for this weekend. The details for this weekend of Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. As it is Toledo Storm weekend. As they are honoring the 30-year anniversary of the back-to-back Rally Cup championships. The walleye will be wearing Toledo Storm jerseys this whole weekend. On Saturday, they will honor the back-to-back championships, but they will induct the Hall of Fame class on Sunday during the first period intermission. The jerseys are pretty cool looking. I will give you the old... I have my old Storm jersey that I will wear at the game on Sunday, but this is the uniform that they will wear on 
Saturday and Sunday, the old Toledo Storm jersey with the patches on the top that say back-to-back Riley Cup champions. Uh, they will they will do it. They'll have a game-worn jersey. Uh, they will have the auction at the club level. Looks like you'll get a banner, of course. The ho- ho- uh, meet and greet will happen. Uh, the, player, the players that will be there for the Storm... Alex Hitz, Rich, Rick Judson, Andy Suey, Nick Fatusi, Mark Deasley, Rick Corville, Bruce McDonald, Chris McSorley, uh, Derek Booth, Ian Duncan, Pat Pillipuke, Norm Denzel, Dave Garrion, Dave Flanagan, Claude Noel, and Jeff Lurg all going to be into the pro hockey into the into the Toledo Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh the notes for Saturday, uh, it'll be Flanagan, Garon, Denzel Pillipuke, McSorley, Corvo, Vitusi, and Sui will only be there on Saturday. Everybody will be there both Saturday and Sunday. They're going to have a hockey puck uh, sign giveaway for $32. There's that realm. Tickets are sold out for the Saturday night game against Kalamazoo. Sunday is the Cincinnati game. That is the game I will be at attendance to for that one uh, to honor the 92-93-93-94 Toledo Storm hockey team. And they're going to be playing a lot of the 90s stuff in that in that weekend, in that uh, in the weekend for the Fish. So I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Uh, there's only less than 500 tickets left for the game against Kalamazoo on Saturday, and it will be the Storm weekend on Sunday. The Fish will then come back home on the 2nd to play the three-game series against Dorfalk. We'll start on Friday, the 2nd of February, as it will be Star Wars night for that game. Uh, Saturday will be a playing game night, and then Sunday is Pucks and Paws for that. So get your tickets, 419-725-WALL, ToledoWallLight.com, or going down to the Huntington Center box office. That's where I was at this morning. Got my ticket for Sunday's game. I'll be sitting with my sister and her and, my, and her husband, and we'll be sitting there enjoying Toledo Storm hockey and riding the storm out this upcoming weekend to honor the 92-93, 93-94 storm teams. And I want to talk about that. Talked about that really quickly. And uh, share you share with some of my memories right here on All Andy Elford, on the All Andy Elford Network, whether it be on Apple Music. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's share some memories about the Toledo Storm really quickly. So I wanted to share with you some of the Storm memories, of course, right here as we are honoring the team. And uh, I, I want to date back to remembering my first game. My first game ever in the old sports arena, the Toledo Sports Arena that was at 1 Main Street, right on the, right on the riverfront. It's a beautiful building. It was where I grew up. It was one of my favorite favorite sport favorite arenas to ever go to to watch. I did everything in that arena to by watching hockey, concerts, ice shows, circuses, um, rodeos, horse shows, car shows. That was the place. The sports arena was one of my favorite places as a kid growing up. Kid who loved hockey, I loved the Storm. I grew up watching the Storm. They were my favorite team. I always grew up 
wanting to play for the Storm. Had my Storm jerseys when I was a kid. Enjoyed watching the players on the ice. Wanting to be them. My favorite player was Rick Judson. I love Rick Judson because he was a kid from... He was a guy from my from my area. He was a guy that they didn't recruit. He They recruited him here in Toledo. And he, oh, out of Bedford. And it was... It was great to go to the rink. It was, I loved that rink so much. It was so intimate. You could reach over the glass and talk to the players, talk to them, uh, get into their head a little bit. Um, my favorite memories uh, from the sports arena had to be like like I said in my kid when I was a kid, and uh, my favorite one of my favorite memories. It was a Wednesday night game. They played the Richmond Renegades. And my aunt at the time, may she rest in peace, and one of and my nep, my one of my nieces, we all went to the hockey game. And my aunt was like, "Where do you want to sit, Andy? Where do you want to sit?" Now I used to sit in up above the uh, Zamboni, right above the Budweiser sign, and we would sit on the aisle. And we would sit there and watch. Uh, I got the opportunity to. She asked me where I want to sit, and I said, "I want to sit here." She show, I showed her where we wanted to sit right next to the glass, three rows from like ice. And so we got to the seat, and it was one of those portable seats that was in the end zone. We watched it, and it was pretty cool to get that experience to be actually that close to the ice surface. Because we would always sit up, up higher and watch the play develop and watch, the play, watch it happen. And uh, it was probably one of my favorite, it was one of my favorite experiences. As a kid, I also enjoyed when I was a kid going there, and my friend Danny would be uh, uh, my mom. When my my mom's friend, uh, her son Danny, would play in the uh, Toledo Junior League, and we would go Saturday mornings and watch them play at the sports arena, and that was cool to see. Uh, if you remember, it wasn't like a swamp shop or anything like that. It was literally just a hole in the wall. With storm merchandise and storm things, it would be like where you would go to a concert and seeing like all the concert memorabilia. It was the same thing for storm jerseys and storm stuff like that. You couldn't go to like like a team store or like to a Target or a Fanatics and buy a storm jersey. You had to buy it there. You had to buy it in, uh, at the game to have it. And I, I remember vividly a few of the my favorite jerseys. Growing up, one of them which was uh, a TV5 jersey that I got. It was a TV5 jersey, and I still have it. I'm going to save it for when I might have my kids or if I ever needed to sell it. It's a TV5 jersey with Batman and Robin on it, and it had the Storm logo on the corner. and had TV5 on the bottom. It was black and it was, it was red and, and yellow, and I thought that was the coolest thing to have. I was a big DC fan. I was a huge fan of that. It was one of my favorite memories. And then as the years went on, I enjoyed the sports arena even more and more. Uh, the tradition started for the first intermission and in first first timeout in the second period would be the nacho run. And that's where I would go get the nachos. And I get the special nachos. They would always hook me up. It'd be right at the front door in the center section. They would have this lady, I forget her name, she was she was she was an older lady, 
I get a lar the largest cherry Coke because that was the only stand, one of the two only stands that sold cherry Coke in all the sports arena. I get a large cherry Coke and an order of nachos, and I have them fill that some bitch up with a whole bunch of jalapenos. If you a jalapeno, two to three jalapenos on every chip and cheese, and it was fantastic. Uh, one of my favorite memories from the sports arena was the old Riverdome Lounge. It was on the back end of the arena. It was in the old exhibition hall. And it was blue curtains up with, like, the portable plastic tables and plastic chairs. And they would have the screen where the game was beyond. But they had food It was like almost like a food court. And you would get food and everything like that. French The French fries there were fantastic. And they would have, like the like, what it would be now, like the Hall of Framers, but it was a sports car dealer would be in there. And I remember buying my first Rick Nash Blue Jacket card in that facility. It was on a frame, wood frame that said 61 Rick Nash Columbus Blue Jackets on it. That was my first ever piece of that. And that's what, like, I will, I still have that board, but I don't have the card anymore. I switched, you could switch the card out here and there. I kept the card, but I don't know where it's at really. But that was one of my favorite memories of the sports arena, the Riverdome Lounge. It was like in between. It's like literally the Zamboni. You would walk past the Zamboni, then there would be like a little hallway, and then inside there would be the the the, the lounge, and there would be people that would be there. And I remember the parking booths, the parking booths where you pull in, you pay for the parking, and then they would retail you out. We would always park. We would always park on the on the east side of the building. Towards the exhibit hall, and then we would walk in. Uh, my friend, uh, my friend's mom used to be the ticket carrier over there. Uh, I remember uh, one time when I was, uh, oh god, I have to say, it'd be about fourth or fifth grade, maybe. Uh, she, her daughter, gave me a gift, and it was a old uh, WWE poster or WWF poster it had Stone Cold Steve Austin on it. Yeah, I saw pro wrestling in the sports arena too. That was wow! That was so cool to see that, and actually have ringside seats for that it was awesome for that. And by the way, Bowling Green's basketball game has just ended. Kent State beats Bowling Green, ninety to eighty four. So there's that. But back to the memories. It was that was awesome. Uh, the old Zamboni was one of one of my favorites. Uh, uh, that on a on a jeep on a jeep frame and then you just saw the the bands come across and just kicking the snow up was awesome and then they would use hot water it'd be a hot water hose and then when they would bring that zamboni in it was a gas zamboni they bring that ga the zamboni in and they would spray out the thing and you would just see the steam pouring up from the end zone because of them trying to melt the snow off that was so awesome. That was a that was a memory for me. Another big memory, of course, was along the wall up at the top of the arena. They had signs, different signs. One of my favorite signs on there was like the Super Size Me sign, which had a hot dog, a soda, and pizza. And then they had like different companies would be there. Uh, my friend Danny Facer and I would be on the top of that stand towards the end of the end end of the run of the sports arena. We would sit at the top and we would be banging on the walls, banging on the thing, cheering and clapping and everything like that. That was such a great memories for that. Uh, my my fa another favorite memory 
Uh, like I said, some of the teams I saw play there with the with the Storm and some of the players I saw there. My favorite, one of my favorite players, uh, Chris Blight. Uh, uh, oh my God, Nick Perillo was awesome. Um, Andrew Williamson was fa- my one of my all time favorites. Number eighteen, he absolutely just anytime he had the puck, it was special. He could put it anywhere, put it on the set up the play, take the great shots. It was absolutely fantastic to watch him play. Rob Thorpe was also a great player for the Storm. Uh, thinking who else was that I enjoyed there. Uh, uh, Robert Snowball was a hard hitting player. Dropped the gloves whenever it was necessary. Ken Tasker, another one. He has the famous video if you ever look it up. The Toledo Storm fighting. That was another. That was a huge one. Uh, some of the best broadcasters too. Of course, Matt Melzak, who's who used to do broadcasting for the Storm, is now broadcasting for the Walleye, and he he was fantastic. Uh, Jason Griffin was awesome as well too. One of my favorite Storm memories was the Storm reports. The Storm report was awesome. I wish they would do that for the Walleye now. Storm reports would be, you know, you would get, you would see the highlights from the games that were happening because you didn't get that much coverage on like Channel Eleven or NBC Twenty Four or Thirteen ABC or Fox Thirty Six. You would go to the Storm reports on Sundays, and they give you the stats and all the information on what's happening around the East Coast Hockey League, the standings as well. And then they would show, they would get video from them on the road. Like when they went to play Trenton or when they went to play Hampton Roads or Huntington and they would show the video there. That would be awesome to see the opposition's building because you didn't see that at like on 13 or 11 or 24 because you were – they just would show the score and see who the key highlight would be. They wouldn't show what the building would look like or anything like that. So I, I, I enjoyed that very, very much. I, I wish they would do that with the walleye now. Uh, I know Strack does a fantastic job with uh, the walleye tails or whatever it's called now, but they need to bring back like do like a a walleye report or a, or a, or a, a, a rink report or a pond report because that would be awesome for them to have that because uh, the storm reports were awesome. You can find them on YouTube; they're awesome. Uh, some of the coaches from the storm, of course, Claude Noel was a storm coach. Uh, Nick Vitusi was the final coach for the Storm before he came over to the Walleye. Uh, my one of my favorites, Todd Gordon. If you remember Todd Gordon, you knew he ran that team into the ground. And that was the year that Williamson was there, and a whole bunch of other players were there, and that was a great. You know, it was good. Um, oh my God, who else? Was Logan Koopman, another goaltender. That was a great. That's another great goaltender. Uh, Doug Teske, very good goaltender as well. Um, but yeah, seeing those teams in the in the in the in the sports arena were awesome, and that building was awesome. It was weird to have that building. Uh, there there were, there was some quirks in that building. That the, those boards were as hard as a rock. Uh, one of my moments, favorite moments of the sports arena, had to have been a year. I forget what year it was. It was either 98 or 99. They were playing the Mississippi Sea Wolves uh, the East Coast, from the East Coast Hockey League game. And there was a. And the, 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 the cool thing was. Uh, and I'll get back to the story here in a second. The cool thing was, to those people that have never bore out the sports arena or never visited the sports arena, the cool thing was 
the players would come up the stairs and then down the stairs onto the ice surface. So you would see them come up and come down. It would be the visiting team, home team, and the officials, which gets me back to the Mississippi Seawolves. So the there was a check that took place in the storm end where the officials' door comes out. He checked the guy so hard from the Mississippi Seawolves, went through the door and broke the door. They stopped the game. They stopped the game because the door broke. And they had to fix the door. They couldn't play the game, continue the game until the door was fixed. That was that was a key piece key piece. And then later in the later years of the sports arena, they put netting up on the end zones. It was the black netting. It was terrible because it was you couldn't see anything out of it. And it was protecting the protecting the fans from getting hit with a puck. And that was because of the whole situation that happened at Nationwide with the little girl that died for getting hit with the puck. But that was under. But but the safety was 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 key there, on that. But if with me sitting in the end zones, it was hard to see with that black netting. But like I said, some of the teams that came into Toledo were fantastic. You know, the Peoria Rivermen was another one. That was the biggest one of the biggest rivalries between Toledo and Peoria was huge. Um, oh my God, uh, I'm thinking of other teams that I've seen. Of course, Dayton. Uh, Jacksonville was a big one for me, one of my favorite teams, because that uniform was so cool. It was like snakeskin. It was black with gold trim, had a lizard in the front of it. Awesome. Another one, like the Louisville River Frogs, that was cool. It was a purple uniform, a purple uniform. You never saw a purple uniform. Black tops, yellow rims around it with a frog carrying a stick going like this. You can look up the logo. It was awesome. See them playing in Toledo. Uh, the Nashville Knights, of course, big Birmingham Bulls were awesome as well to come see them. And like I said, the Columbus Chill was the the. If you looked at the rivalry between between Toledo hockey and all of Toledo hockey, there was three big rivals: Fort Wayne, Dayton, and since and and Columbus were the three rivals of Toledo. Toledo hated the Columbus Chill. They hated the Dayton Bombers. And when it was the Gold Diggers, they hated Fort Wayne. Absolutely hated them. And then we saw the the, the, the life that it was of Cincinnati, of Cincinnati was in the East Coast League. Uh, oh, my God. There's a, there's a lot of teams that were in the East Coast League. And then they moved on to the IHL and then came back to the ECHL. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this weekend honoring the 92 93 93 94 team was awesome. Uh it's going to be awesome. I look forward to it and reliving a lot of the sports arena memories. Uh it was a it was a place where I grew up. It was one main street. The day that they knocked the day the team left, I remember what happened. They lost to Cincinnati in a playoff series. My friend Danny and I were at the game and then um we found out they were going to be the team was going to be you know disbanded for a couple of years till they moved downtown, and I figured out found out too that they were going to knock down the sports arena. We rode our bikes down to the sports arena, and uh, got our pictures taken with in the ticket booth against the walls. It was the worst worst outfit I ever wore that day. I'll admit that. 
I wore orange, an orange polo, orange and orange polo with white stripes and checkered pants. Worst picture I've ever taken. I felt like I got dressed in the dark on that one. I had to find those photos and I'll share them with you. But that building was awesome. I grew up in the sports arena. I grew up with the Toledo Storm. I always loved the Toledo Storm. It'll always have a special meaning in my heart. Um, the Reading Royals. I will, I'll give you another story really quickly. Uh, when my friend Danny and I were growing up, we'd go down to the sports arena when we were in our in the high school days, and we would go down there, and we'd go down there on weekends. We'd go Friday night and sat, sometimes Saturday if we had we had it available. One night we went, and they were playing the Columbia Inferno from Columbia, South Carolina. The Columbia Inferno were the had a Dalmatian as their logo, and there was a guy by the name of I forget his last, first name, but his last name was Sawyer, and they were the fans were raising hell on Sawyer all night. And Danny looked at me and he said, we got to come back the next night and just razz him some more. And I looked at him and said, I don't know if we should do that again. I don't think we should do that. And the next thing you know, I found myself buying a ticket again, coming down to the sports arena and then razzing him some more. Or my favorite, when we played Reading one time, they actually had a goaltender that was Japanese. And that was awesome. His name was Fukufuji. And I forget his first name, but he was he was a goaltender, and Danny was raised in hell and saying "Fukapuji, Fukapuji," chanting that thing again. And of course, you know the start of the tradition of the hit somebody actually happened after the ninety four ninety five season, after the ninety three ninety four season. After that ninety four ninety five, they started chanting "Hit somebody," and we haven't had a championship ever since. So the hit somebody curse lives on, ladies and gentlemen. We were honoring 30 years of that's the last champion that championship that's happened in this city. It was 30 years ago, this year. And that chant is still going on, and we haven't won a championship since. Playoff memories. Didn't have that many playoff memories. My favorite, I will say one my one of my favorites. I went to all three games of this of the at the time, was the American Conference Championship game. Toledo played Atlanta in the first in the third round in the Conference Championship. The winner of that series would go on to play for the for the Kelly Cup. Toledo got lucky, made it through the first two rounds of the playoffs. Played Atlanta, the Atlanta Gladiators, in the third round. They went in Atlanta in game. I think it was game two. Then game three and four and five were at one Main Street. I went Friday night for the game. Toledo got beat five to three, I think it was what the final was. Saturday, they went Saturday night again. They lose in overtime four to three. And I said to myself, I got to go back Sunday because they they just got, I can't, I have to see how this series is going to end to see if they're going to win least one game and then go to Atlanta and maybe maybe do something special I was at I was doing a gig for my high school at Mickey Finn's that Sunday afternoon it was like a, the gig was like at two o'clock in the afternoon the hockey game was at 5 15 I did the gig and I literally on the way home I told my mom drop me off at Main Street 
She dropped me off at Main Street. And I went, and that was the first time I went to a hockey game by myself, watched the game. And they lost in double overtime, 3-2, to two, to the Atlanta Gladiators. I think it was 3-2 to two was the final. They lost it. And I said, well, it was a good run. And that was the start of the slide for when the team decided to, you know, fold. And, and not fold, but, like, be rebought. But uh, some of my favorite memories. That was some of my favorite memories with the storm. And I'm looking forward to this weekend for the the 30th anniversary of the 92, 93, 93, 94 championship year. And, again, uh, in 94, I was there for the championship celebration. And my favorite memory is that they drove that sports arena Zamboni across the Cherry Street Bridge. And when they brought that, when it was getting ready to line up for the parade route, it was going down Summit Street, and it broke down. And they had to tow it. That tells you something that they needed a new Zamboni. They just got it repaired and brought it back for the 94-95 season. I remember the eyes on the Zamboni would also, like, turn here and there. And it had, like, the Snoko, Snoko symbols... They had, like, wood plaque symbols that you would just change, and it would change around. So, yeah, I remember those that mem- those memories. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Sports Arena was fun. The people were great. Gary Wise, who used to, used to run the Sports Arena, I remember that name. My mom would always tell me about that. Uh, I've got some – I got a lot, of, a lot of memories of the Sports Arena. A lot of great memories. A lot of fun times. Going there. <laughs> I got another one I have to share. I have to share it. I, I know we're going we're we're past I said we wanted to be done by nine thirty, but we're past this. Uh we're probably not gonna talk about the LPGA golf event, which by the way, congratulations to Lydia Co winning the first event. So we're gonna keep talking about some uh as they get ready for the drive-on championship, which is this upcoming weekend. Back to the storm memory really quickly. When I was in third grade, I found out my teacher, Mrs. Johnson, Karen Johnson, was a storm teasing ticket holder. Now, I was in her class, and I remember it in third grade. I think it was the th- second or third grade. It was the Ohio proficiency test was happening. And, you know, of course, you would have to, you know, stay home and, you know, study and exam- for exams and stuff like that. I begged my mom to take me to the hunt, take me down to, to the Toledo Sports Arena for a game that was happening Wednesday night. It was a Wednesday night game, rare Wednesday night game back in the day. And it was against the Johnstown Chiefs. And uh, my mom got tickets. We sat on the opposite end of the arena. And I'm sitting there watching the game happening and everything like that. And there's Mrs. Johnson. And I just, like, curled up in a ball, and I didn't want her to see me. I didn't want her to see She saw my mom, and she says, What, Andy, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be preparing for the Ohio proficiency test? I said, Well, I was here watching a hockey game and everything like that. She said, It's all right, you know. You need to blow off your steam, but I I want you to study. I want you to study for it. And I did. I did study for it when I came when at home. 
I also was reading this, reading the, trying to find like the latest hockey news that I had. So <laughs> I was, I was just, you know, that was that was a memory I remember vividly. I remember my friend Dan, like going back to the Danny Facer stories. I remember my friend Danny Facer trying to get in a fight with the Dink Bomber fans. Um, going back again, like I mentioned before, the players would go up the stairs and then down the stairs to the honey to the to the to the ice surface. Uh, back in the day, you could go up to the visiting team and watch them come on the ice. And then towards the end of the season, end of the run of the sports arena, they decided to put black curtains up so you couldn't see the players coming in and out. And basically, you would they would come out of the dressing room, and it was the dressing room was probably about as big as this office right here that I'm in. And you would go into the off, you would go out of the out of the uh, out of the uh, dressing room. Down the walk down the hallway on the floor where the skate blades would be at, then up the stairs and down the down onto the playing surface, and when it came to the storm, they had a red door, and it had the Toledo Storm logo on it. It says author players locker room authorization required, and I would be down there at the second period intermission, waiting outside to when they put the gates up. And I would want to be on the opposite side of the door. I want to be on. So the door would open and it, go, it would open that way. It would open that way. So I would be on this side. So I always was on this side. And right on that side is where the roasted almonds were at. So I bought a thing of almonds. And I stood there and ate almonds. And I had a digital camera. And I took pictures as they were coming, off the, coming onto the ice. Going onto the ice. And those were some of the best pictures I had. Uh, like I said... They're honoring the 93, 94, and 92, 93 team this year at the sports at the Huntington Center this weekend. If you have a storm memory, share it with me right here on Facebook Live, as well as on our Twitter account, on our X account, which is at all Andy Elford. Uh, we're going to be sharing with them a lot of them. Of course, we're going to do a show this upcoming Thursday. We'll talk about the Jackets game that's happening right now where after 20 minutes of play is the Jackets won, the Oilers won. So hopefully the Jackets can hold on to that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Trying to get, my, get into the Hall of Fame induction ceremony itself on Friday night. If you have any connections on that, please feel free to let me know. I'm trying to get into that so I can watch, see the actual induction ceremony because it's that's that's probably one of my favorite things to watch. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be a fun weekend at the Huntington Center. If you haven't got your tickets, get your tickets four one nine seven two five Wall or visit ToledoWallet dot com or go to the Huntington Center box office. There's less than five hundred tickets left for the Saturday Saturday game against uh, Kalamazoo, but the big game, of course, will be Sunday against Cincinnati. I remember Toledo, the storm, were eliminated by the Cyclones in 2006. That was the last time the storm took the ice at 1 Main Street. Uh, They did honor the storm team a few years ago with the white jerseys. I will wear my old white jersey that I have. The Wally will be wearing red storm jerseys this weekend. And it looks like they're going to wear red hats and the red shirt, uh, red, uh, red pants and the red socks. Uh, with the white trim that looks awesome i'm looking forward to it it's gonna be a trip down memory lane for a lot of us and uh 
It was definitely a trip tonight, reliving all these stories. We're going to share more stories with you on Thursday's edition of All Andy Offer. will be an afternoon edition as we'll break down the Jackets game tonight against Edmonton, preview their game against Calgary. Also dive into the NFC and AFC championship games as our Lions battle the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs battle the Baltimore Ravens. Hopefully Baltimore gets the job done. Also, we'll take a look at round one's coverage of the Drive-On Championship. Also, preview some more of the BGUT basketball game and so much more. So, we'll be on the air Thursday afternoon. Haven't had a decided time yet, but we will be on the air Thursday afternoon for you guys here. Because uh, Thursday night, I am having dinner with some theater people. Looking forward to that. Um, I do want to send my condolences to a good friend of mine who has passed on from the planet and who was a great man. Uh, uh, his name is Bill Pearson. Uh, Bill was a member of the Toledo Reps Christmas Carol this past year and a great member of the theater community. I want to share my um, send my thoughts and prayers to him and his family. Uh, he played the the first man with Jeff Shoemaker and Scott Dibbling in this past season's Christmas Carol. Um, he was very he's a very very nice guy, uh, very very poignant when it came to uh, theater and production. Uh, and Bill will be missed. Uh, Probably one of my favorite pictures. This was shared by my friend James. Uh, Bill, you will be missed, my friend. You are a great man, a great actor, and a great person. Our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family, my friend. So we will honor him. And uh, uh, thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. And his family. And Godspeed, my friend. Godspeed. So until I talk to you on Thursday, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Get the job done. Because it is CBJ. Go Storm! Good luck this weekend. We'll share more stories. On Thursday's edition of All Andy Alford. Let's go Lions. Let's see if we can do it. Well, can we do it? Yes, we can. Hopefully we can. Show more grit. All grit, baby. And more birdies and less bogeys. Because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat. Have a great night, everybody. I'll talk to you Thursday afternoon. For another edition of All Andy Alford right here on the All Andy Alford Network. This has been a special edition of All Andy Alford celebrating the 15th season of All Andy Alford on the All Andy Alford Network with the Spotify Podcast Network. Whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen to our show tonight, wherever and whenever you listened. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. You can always be a part of it by following us on Twitter. It is at All Andy Alford as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Podcasts are posted each week right here using the Spotify Podcast Network.